Today in Science from Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Spoken Edition of Wired. Bored with your Fitbit? These cancer researchers aren't. By Megan Moltini. If you're trying to get in shape and you want a tiny wrist-bound computer to help you do it, you have more options than ever before. Fitness trackers come in all shapes, colors, and price tags with newfangled sensors and features to stand out to customers. But for doctors and scientists studying how exercise can help people deal with disease, the landscape is much simpler. There's Fitbit, and then there's everyone else. Like most fitness trackers, Fitbit's devices are far from perfect. They can count steps pretty well and give a good idea of activity levels day to day. But they haven't yet cracked the code on caloric burn, which is kind of a big deal for understanding weight loss. And the ones equipped with Fitbit's proprietary heart rate monitoring tech are on even shakier ground. The company is part of an ongoing class-action lawsuit alleging dangerous inaccuracies. But that's not stopping a growing number of medical researchers from flocking to Fitbit for use in clinical studies of everything from arthritis to sleep apnea to cancer. Since 2012, scientists have published 457 studies using Fitbit device data, nearly half of them in 2017 alone. According to a recent analysis in the Journal of the Federation of American Societies for Experimental Biology, that puts the company well ahead of its competition. In clinical trials that use consumer activity monitors, a full 83% outfitted trial participants with a Fitbit. For NIH-funded research, that number rose to 95%. Some researchers like Sherry Hartman, a psychologist at the University of California, San Diego, gravitate toward Fitbit devices because they deliver information without being burdensome for her patients. Breast cancer survivors struggling with brain fogginess and other cognitive declines following treatment. They just have to keep it charged and wear it. That's it. Fitbit and its data-crunching research facilitation partner, Fitabase, do the rest. Fitabase, if you haven't heard of it, is like Fitbit's personal digital plumber. The company has built a connection to Fitbit's API that allows it to pipe out user data to scientists. 
Since it launched in 2012, Fitabase has collected over 3.5 billion minutes of Fitbit data on behalf of research customers at places like Johns Hopkins MD Anderson Cancer Center and the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. For Hartman, Fitabase collected three months' worth of data on a randomly selected group of 43 women who had recently received chemotherapy or surgery for breast cancer. They, along with a control group, which received health-related emails, were given the goal of exercising 150 minutes per week. Both groups were asked to wear a clinical-grade accelerometer for a week before and after the study to see how much their baseline activity had improved in three months' time. But only half of them received fitness trackers and access to a UCSD researcher to track their goals. Sticking with new lifestyle changes is hard, and Hartman's team was testing how well the wearables helped keep subjects accountable to their plans. By the end of the study, published Tuesday in Cancer, they found that women who wore Fitbits were exercising for about 14 more minutes per day than those in the control group. And importantly, the more active Fitbitters scored higher on an objective measure of cognitive processing speed. While it was the only one of nine examined areas of brain function that showed significant improvement, Hartman says the results are promising. Breast cancer survivors have the highest rate of cognitive decline after treatments than any other types of cancer patients, she says. We haven't had a lot of good recommendations for them, but now we can say exercise looks like it works. It was a small study, but Hartman has a larger one planned to see if the results hold up. Others, like Carissa Lowe, a psychologist at the University of Pittsburgh Cancer Institute, landed on the Fitbit after testing it against other devices to see which ones synced most often and most reliably. Lowe studies how getting up and walking around can help cancer patients avoid readmission after surgery. In a small pilot she completed last year, daily step count predicted which patients wound up back in the hospital. She's now working on an interventional study to see if prodding people to exercise increases the likelihood of a better outcome. We're not watching step counts in real time, but we do need to get the data without much of a lag, she says. If we're trying to nudge somebody, we don't want to be wrong, especially if they're sick. Studies like these are helping to fill in some knowledgeable gaps about how motivating wearables are. There aren't many, if any, long-term studies of the devices, which most people stop wearing within the first six months. If you just put a Fitbit on someone's wrist, that's not going to be enough to change behavior, says Mitesh Patel, an internist and digital health researcher at the University of Pennsylvania. But if you combine it with incentives and other kinds of support, then there are a lot stronger effects. The question that remains is if those effects remain over the long term. Stephen Steinhubbel, a cardiologist and the director of digital medicine at Scripps Translational Science Institute, says wearable monitors shine most in research that compares you at one point in time to you at another. If the goal is to specifically measure steps or calories with consumer technologies, it's difficult to compare different devices to each other, he says. On the other hand, if tracking the trajectory for an individual over time, they're ideal. While Fitbit says it's still a consumer health and wellness company, it doesn't deny it has eyes one day on getting a medical device designation. 
And with the company's stock price down 60% compared with this time last year and Apple threatening its market leadership, the medical sector might be Fitbit's best shot at a bright, shiny tomorrow. So in the meantime, with the help of Fitabase, it's quietly building up a scientific body of evidence that should certainly come in handy with the FDA if and when the agency ever comes knocking. From a clinical research perspective, we're really focused on engagement as well as longevity, keeping individuals on an activity protocol, says Fitbit's GM of Health Solutions, Adam Pellegrini. He declined to say whether or not the company has immediate plans to move into the medical device market. But as we start going deeper down the health road with more and more advanced sensors, I'd say just stay tuned. Hey, it's Andrew from the Spoken Edition team. You know, you hear from us all the time, every Monday through Friday without fail. And after doing all that talking, we're excited to hear what you have to say. Email wired at spokenedition.com and we'll reply with a few questions to get to know you. We're curious what you think can make Spoken Editions even better. So grab your phone and email wired at spokenedition.com now. And thanks for listening. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.